Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the JT Fox Podcast Network, where we interview some of the biggest names in the world, Pacino, Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Delano Karen, Calvin Klein, just to name a few, billionaires, so forth. Uh, we talk about the news, we debate the news, but today we got something very special, someone that I literally met, uh, literally, literally, literally met uh, 12, 13 years ago when I was just starting out. Um, and it's what I call is his stuff works, his knowledge works. And he had a mustache when I met him. Kind of looks the same. Actually, kind of looks younger and refresher. We were both Chicago guys. We met, had a cell phone number, disconnected. And I got this random email from a very persistent PR. And I I, I already knew him. I'm like, and I had the wrong cell phone number because he changed it. And I said, you know what? Why not as well? Um, and uh, very well known in the industry. Has spoken for uh, a lot of the big names, the who's who. Um, in fact, came to one of my events one time. Was on my radio show when I headed the JT Fox show as well. How things have changed. Please welcome Scott Hallman. How are you doing, Scott? I'm doing excellent. Excellent. Great to be here. So uh, I love it, Scott. He sent me like this email yesterday. And I was like, here are topics we could suggest that we could talk about. Like I had never done business before, which I thought it was very funny when I was reading the, 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 the document that Scott was telling me about. Some things we could discuss. You and I don't need to prepare. We can talk about anything and it'll make it. You know, it's interesting. That the reason, so I, I did that because I am new to being you know, a guest on these podcasts. And I've had the first couple of them. They were like, look, all Horrible. over the place. They were yeah, all over well, the because they don't know like, business. I know. Yeah. I had to know with me that it wasn't going to happen. I almost said like, when I looked at that, if I didn't know you, I would have been like, oh my God. But I was like, he must, he must be new to the people yeah. getting that as well too. <laughs> so, so Scott, let's get right into it. Um, the people were scared out of their mind in April and March, 2020. Turns out that the pandemic is the greatest thing that happened if people went for it, whether they started the stock market from 18,000 up or started a business and, and grew and exploded as well. And valuations of many companies didn't make sense. And now we're in this period of high inflationary where interest rates will probably get to seven and a half, eight, maybe nine if it doesn't go. Inflation doesn't seem to be subside. Um, it seems that Everything has been on the way up. What do you see happening on the way uh, down? Are we seeing a thing where business will tighten up and this is where the great deals to get involved in the companies, great acquisition, great partnerships as well? And is everyone going to suffer or do you see so, some things that are going to literally break out? Well, as you know, in, in any any recessionary challenging market, there's always winners, right? You've got to be able to play the game right. And we're in the longest, I think, statistically, the longest uh, non-recessionary time in U.S. history, or one of the longest, uh, bolstered up by this government incentive. I mean, now you're getting this ERC money and you know, people are getting hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. And so there's a lag effect that's taking place right now, and uh, it bolsters up the economy. And Many businesses that that we, we speak with, you know, they just they're just business as usual, and you can't be business as usual right now. And uh, so I think that that there just statistically, there has to be a challenging economy or a recession or something to bring things back and, and cool the economy down. And um, so I think that's what it is. I, and I believe that it's going to be uh, steeper than mild, um, and that the companies have had it relatively easy, as you mentioned, the last twelve or thirteen years. Uh, the vast majority are going to be completely caught off guard because when it turns, if you remember in, in 2008, 2009, I had a client who did uh, 11 million in November of seven and did 800,000 in February of, uh, of 2018. It happened quick. 
And, um, and you know, when, when that turn takes place, you need to, pre- need to be prepared. Scott, I, I'd like to, it's been harder to find great people. Uh, and then also too, not only if they're great, you're going to pay through the nose and you have really crappy people where you have to pay more than you would normally would or what they're worth. People have lost great people for, you know, we lost a, a lady in our office, literally for like, I was like, they paid her double what I paid her. I was like, you're not even, I was thinking not even worth what I was paying you now. I thought I was overpaying <laughs> you. And I, I kind of feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, that I've had to really take the ball. So let's take a look at basketball, for example. And in order to win the game, to make sure I win the game, I got to take the ball. I got to drive it. I got to shoot it. And yeah, I got a team that I can distribute the ball, but I really have to score. There's been a lot less emphasis on like which players in the team, which they are important because you can't do it by yourself. As you saw with LeBron James, couldn't carry the Lakers. Um, Previous years didn't make the playoff. You have one great player. You can't do it. But the leader, us, people who own company, that in order for us to succeed and thrive, we probably have to drive more. And this notion of, we're just going to sit on our ass and let everybody else do the work. And and so I've had to do a lot of things I've done before. Is that really what you're seeing with the companies you work with more than ever, that they have to be more of the driver and the leader because the world has become a a great resignation world or, you know, laziness and this kind of like pajama world at home and Zoom that, you know, you really got to go really hard um, in this time. And even during COVID, when things are good, you still had to go because nobody wanted to work. Are you seeing the same thing or am I just the one who's? No, you, you clearly see it. You know, I think that, um, you know, one of the things I, I say is entrepreneurs are not CEOs, not most of them. What's the difference? The CEO, you know, gets hired by a company. They operate at the high level. They're very strategic. They stay strategic. An entrepreneur has built everything with their with their with their hands and their mind and their money and and they they know every aspect of the business. So it, it, historically, as they're growing the business, when things get challenging, they can dive in and fix virtually anything. Right? That's the difference. Is they can get sucked back into a business. And so it is critical when 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 the market gets challenging like this, or you have this turnover, this this great resignation, as you call it, that um, that entrepreneurs are willing to dive back in. And I call it walking the farm. You know, with all my clients, they say, look, you know, never get, you're never going to fully delegate. You're an entrepreneur, you're not a CEO. You're never going to fully delegate, which means every quarter or so you need to go and spend time in each area, each department, each function, so that you stay fresh in your business because you will see things because you created them, most of the systems uh, that others won't see. And, and, and if you don't do that, all of a sudden, somebody resigns when those great resignations take place and you go and you go, what the hell happened? What the hell is this? What's, what's been going on here? And you have a mess. So I think that's a behavior that should happen, you know, all the time. And um, is that, you know, you need to make sure you, you walk the farm and you stay involved in your business. And I will say one other thing, JT, which is this is all going to change in, in 2000, I've taken my company public for, for just short of a billion dollars. And I went to hire this sales rep and he was in an IT consulting space and he was doing $6 million a year of business he thought he could bring to us. And I gave him a package to make 600,000. I put this in perspective, this is 20 years ago, right? It's big dollars. And he turned it down because he wanted stock. He said, I don't give stock to salespeople because you have unlimited potential. I got people working for less than they're worth here, waiting for their big payday. He didn't take the job, recession hits. He comes back to work for me for commission only. 
right? So the, you want the reset is going to be a recession, you know, no more sleeping pods and lattes and bringing the dog to work and, and you know, uh, not wanting to come into work. Uh, you're you're going to see an adjustment there when that takes place. You think people are going back to um, that all this, a lot of the Zoom culture, I know all our of us is went virtual because we didn't really need it. And I'm sure there's some unproductivity, uh, but we still managed to, to do amazing numbers because we're a global company. But are you going to see a lot of companies saying, no, no, everybody back in the office? I know the financial world is definitely trying to get a lot of people, but they've been somewhat resistant. I know Apple said, hey, you either come back or you go. Um, same thing with uh, Tesla. But are you seeing two years from now, it being almost where it was back in 2019? Or I, yeah, I, 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 I will say, if you play off of Apple, those big companies, you talked earlier about the resignation of your one person leaving for double the salary. I, I believe the apples of the world, those types of companies understand something that culture's king. Culture, yeah. That you can't create culture in this virtual network in your bathrobe by somebody's taking out the dog to let the dog piss out in the yard, right? It's not the same. And so it's much easier for me to disconnect and go somewhere else because I don't have the bond with the people in the organization. So I think you're going to see these bigger companies put more and more pressure on people to come back as a stick strategy. But I believe that for most entrepreneurial businesses, um, you're going to, you know, if I were to guess, I'm going to say it's the three days at the office, two days at the office to keep a little culture going and the re and they're going to, they're going to work from home. And I don't think that's going to change maybe, maybe ever, at least I can't see it changing right now. So when you go into businesses and you see, like, I know you're dealing, we talked before you have bankruptcy, a company in bankruptcy, or just in general, uh, what are the biggest problems you see right off the bat and how are things, what, what do you do? What are some quick fixes? Or there's no such thing as a quick fix. You have to go deep and solve because ultimately, if you're solving the symptom rather than the root cause of the problem, it'll pop up again. What, what do you see when you go in? Look, I mean, the, the, the biggest opportunity, which is going to become a massive opportunity going forward with, with double digit and inflation, I think it's, you know, inflation's double digit. I don't know where the 8.6% comes from because I don't know anything that's only gone up 8.6%. Um, but, you know, in one year, your profits wiped out if you don't make make the, the following change. You know, I've, I've been known for for uh, training companies on optimization and maximization, which really means let's take a look at what you're already doing because you've gotten lazy. You've skipped you. you, you, you you're no longer um, making sure your team is following your best practices. Making money is easy. You've gotten a little so sloppy. And let's go tighten that all up. And, and that process of tightening things up and looking to optimize and maximize everything you're currently doing. Just get back to the way you were is the quickest, easiest way to bolster up your profitability quickly. It's not a game changer. It's not going to double, triple, quadruple your business. But if you want to mitigate this 8 to 10% inflation, you can do that in a matter of you know a month or two. And so I think that's the first place we always start. And it's amazing to me, though, we'll take on a client and they'll say, well, we have that assault wired. And we'll go in and find a million dollars of low-hanging fruit or two million or four give, million. Give us an example. Give me an, a, a, an example so I have an idea. Or so, so people, the audience has an idea. I know what you're yeah. talking about. So I've got an online, I've got a client who generates all their revenue, you know, online. And they drive people to a um, to a strategy session. And then from that strategy session, they sell them into a product, which I, I have to maintain. What I can't share what that is, but it runs around $5,400 or so. They're spending a gazillion dollars on marketing. They're the most sophisticated people. They drive them to a page. People sign up for this strategy session. And I then ask a simple question because they're not tracking this metric. They're tracking, we do this many consults. 
strategy sessions. We get this many clients. And I said, well, how many people do you book? And they gave me the number. And I said, how many people show? And it's over 40% of the people that booked, booked didn't show. Now, let me give you an example. So if, if only 50 some percent of the 50% of the people show and I can make a 10% improvement, that's effectively a 20% improvement in the revenue, that one thing alone. So it's time to zoom in and, you know, it creates the holy shit moment where they're going, wow. You know, so well, those, okay, well that, that, that's the problem with a lot of people. I mean, what industry is this the education space that you're talking about? It, like they're selling coaching for 5,400. Is that it's online training? Yeah. Okay. Online so, training. so the problem with a lot of people, especially with, with zoom fatigue and online with everyone, everyone is signing up and doesn't show. So what are you telling them to get people to show? And everyone has a problem right now. You have restaurants, nail salon, uh, even people who pay sometimes don't show. Uh, for sporting events, I know it's a, you know, one of the concert promoters told me that they had like 15% people who had actually paid and didn't show up to the concert. So how do you get people to show up? What, what is it? Is it in the marketing? Is it in the call? Is it in the follow-up process? What yeah, is I'll, it? Do, I'll do three of them. So one of them is what's called upstream, right? The upstream is, is your message compelling enough? Are they just signing up because it's kind of a cool thing to do? Or is your message truly strong enough? So if you have people that are not showing, the first place to do is go back and see whatever video you, you had or whatever marketing you did to get them to sign up, you know, was it compelling? The second thing is that you need to touch people. I teach some called the communication circle, right? We got some people are, are call centric, some people are email centric, some people are, um, some people are direct mail centric, some people are text centric. And we marketers oftentimes think, oh, I've only in, communicate an email, so that's how I'm going to follow up. But the vast majority of people um, are, are a mixture of those things. You need to make sure your, your, your follow-up communications you do to remind people, to inspire people to show up are communicated in text, email, um, and, and, and using the phone, right? And you need to be able to build you need to be able to build the excitement about the event you're going to go to. If you're booking them on a call, you need to follow a simple, simple process of, of Cialdini's commitment and consistency principle, which is getting three yeses, reinforcing the call, right? So subconsciously getting them to say yes three times to, and I'm ramp, rapid firing here, but getting them to say uh, yes three times that they will commit and the subconscious mind is more committed. That's what quality restaurants do to, to increase their rates. You know, these are just a few things that that are really, really important. They're they're blocking and tackling, uh, you know, JT. But you know, they're they're really important. So I remember seeing. I think maybe I call you. I said, you know, they said you were the number one business coach. I'm the world's number one wealth and business coach. I guess if you and I ever have a challenge one on one, um, you know, and Kane called himself uh, number one, but that we all know that I was uh, in this situation. But you know, obviously, you and I both know business. Um, I feel that everybody's a coach now. Right, which is why I don't want to be known as a coach. I'll be like, I'm number zero. Don't even call me a coach. I even took it away from my social media profile because I found that high level people were not impressed by saying number one because everybody's number one, like number one global branding. Like, fuck, I don't even know you. And second of all, too, or if you Google number one global branding, but nobody Googles number one global branding coach. Like, they, it's not something people would Google. It's got like 12 searches, and it was probably yourself Googling yourself. Um, so, <laughs> right. I mean, right. So it, it, it just, the, the art, I, I remember when we started coaching was not like no one really knew about it. Nobody was doing about it. It was very underground. Um, and now everybody's a coach, right? And whether it's a life coach and they've, they're, they're, there's not that accomplishment. What do you think about that, that industry itself? How do you feel about that as well? Because to me, it makes me very upset. 
Well, I think it's time to change. What ends up happening, everybody's jumped on that bandwagon, as you mentioned, a coach, a coach, a coach. All you have to do, you know, you, you go take some, some, some $97 course and now you're a life coach or something. It doesn't mean anything. At the end of the day, it's all about track record and results, yeah. right? It's all about results and it's about track record and, you know, and uh, which is, I guess, the same thing as results. And so I think it's important, you know, so we're, I'm moving to advisor and I'm not sure it's a much better word, but it just sounds a little bit better to me. It to sounds be less, I, mean, I know, you, I know what you're saying. It's just like, but by the way, would you agree that if you go up to someone that's successful and you tell them I am a coach, number one or zero, whatever it is, it doesn't impress anybody. Like nobody's like, oh my God, you're a coach. Yeah. Like it almost, it, it like it, to me, it's, that's why I, I took it away. It's it, because it's obviously ruined by a lot of people, even though I believe that one of the reasons why people are not successful is because they don't have a coach because they don't have someone on the outside that sees and they're in love with their own product, their own service. Right. Um, and so do you see a shift in that industry, uh, per se, eventually weeding out or because it's such an easy to a barrier to entry, right? Any, you can be a coach now, Hey, anybody wants to be a coach, sign up and put a website and market online. So, um, you know, the industry itself, um, has changed from when you and I first started, right? I, I, when I first started, it was like, Hey, I had made $10 million in real estate. When I first started speaking about real estate, that's when I first started. So I actually had made money. Now you could do two houses and put some pictures and, and what do you think about that? Well, I think the shift, the shift, I think the shift we're talking about here, you know, I, I mentioned advisor, you know, when we talk, when I talk with my clients, I use the word partner, I'm going to partner with them yeah. because, you know, I'm now in a, in a place where I'm saying, yes, I'll work with you and you can, you know, pay me some retainer or something, but really what I'm in it for is I will succeed when you succeed, right? So I will succeed when you succeed. It's results driven. And that's when I'm going to make my big payday. And I think that's the shift for something you say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to invest along with you. I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to be partners in this. I mean, I'm, I'm working with a client right now and he started a weight loss practice and um, then he was successful. And he started coaching other, other practices how to do this. And I said, you know what? That's not the right game. The right game is let's go license this thing. And we're now in 37 different markets in the U S uh, I'm a partner in that. And um, you know, uh, I, I, I'm going to make money along with my client. And I think when you have somebody that says, you know, you have enough confidence to be along in the journey and you're an investor or a partner, or you're invested with me. I believe that's the next level. That's the next level where the coaches don't play. And to be honest with you, because you don't know what you're doing, you're going to get quickly discovered, right? You're, you can work on your little manual, but if you don't know what you do and you can't come up with solutions on the spot, you quickly will be disturbed if you're a fugazi, right? That's hey, the problem. Yeah. Right. Like you sit there and be like, um, what's your avatar? What's your mission statement? What, you know what I mean? Like you could tell, but let me tell you what switched. I remember when you and I kind of started um, and you started before me, but it was like, don't show your wealth, focus on your result. It was how great your content is. We have now come into a world where it's about the Lambos, the flash, the planes, the helicopters, the jewelry, the 15 second TikTok uh, bits and Instagram, which you know, I, I was just telling you how some people that, you know, were asking me for money during the pandemic. Uh, and, you know, if you look at their social media, they're ballers. Right. And so what do you think about that um, from someone who has been in it for, for a while? And, and you see the, the way the Instagram world where you may lose out to some clients because you're not as flashy and your social media is not as glitzy and showy as that. 
Yeah, you know, it's 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 actually a hard one for me to answer. Here's why: because I've always been genuine. I've got I've got a depth of skill. I've, I've coached clients in 300 different industries. I extract and learn from every one of them as much as I teach them. So I got a breadth of knowledge that very few people have. And so it's about having conversations. And so when I speak on stage, when I spoke on stage at you know Tony Robbins event or Chet Holmes event or Jay Abraham event or or uh, Evan Pagan events, you're not allowed to sell. I got more business than I did selling from stage, right? Because it's it's just be genuine, demonstrate your expertise, and I, I think that's 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 the level. I think you're gonna like you mentioned. If if there's somebody who catches the wave, they're doing a challenge, or they're doing you know they're doing a you know, product launch or whatever else, or episodic events, they can have success in the short term. Um, but I, I share with you, you know, things keep changing. I've never you know, in Australia. There's like 7,000 people on the stage and I haven't done near as many as you've done with those. But, um, and I finished speaking and uh, this, this one of the, I can't, won't say we was, but he was selling how to basically build a YouTube business or, <laughs> or uh, no, it was, it was one of those business, uh, this uh, eBay, eBay business. Oh, something. eBay. I know who you're talking about. So initial, up, a, up, by the way, initial up. AG, AG, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. So it comes up and. I would, he want to take a picture with me. I said, okay, take a picture. And this girl walks out of the crowd and just starts calling him a mother of this, mother of that, and you screwed me and you screwed that. And, you know, so I learned that, you know, they had like a 40% return rate on their product or it was crap. So, you know, I don't want to do that. I don't want to play that. And people will be discovered. So they'll be successful for a while. Yeah. Um, but you know what it's that not- guy's doing now? You know what that guy's doing now? Porn. <laughs> no, I'm serious. It was like, like, like I'm not kidding you. Like literally, he's into the online porn stuff. Like, so I could have had a picture of an online porn king. Yeah, you could. Have, well, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think he pips out his girlfriend or something like that. So, but it's funny. I know exactly who you're talking to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, that's another thing that the industry. What about the industry of fake it till you make it, where people are buying likes and followers and Instagram, which social currency has become such a big part of it as well. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the people who will basically, you know, pay to get an article on Forbes and then make a fake magazine cover and congratulate themselves. So they'll do the Forbes Leadership Council and what an honor after all these are hard work, but they gave the five grand or my book got published by Forbes, you pay 25 grand. So uh, a lot of people pay to get a magazine. It's become a pay for play world. And now you have a lot of the buying of the followers, then you got to buy likes and stuff like that. And on one hand, I get it because obviously you can have a following, but on social media, not everybody sees you. And it's kind of people look at it and say, well, you must not be successful. You have less than a thousand followers. When you and I both know we have a lot of successful people that have less than a thousand followers and are very successful. And then on the other hand, it's kind of faking it and not being authentic. Where's the line in your opinion? What would you advise someone says to me? Today? Yeah, I don't do, I don't do much, most, I don't do any of that stuff. Um, because again, I'm all about, I'm all about, um, you know, having what I do and my results uh, speak for themselves. And so with that said, if, if, you know, do I, do I think it's wrong for somebody who's got a lot of skill, they've got a lot to offer. They just, they just, they just can't get their voice heard to go do some of these gimmicky things to, to be heard. I think it's fine. I think it's fine to be able to do it initially, to be able to say, okay, I'm out there now. Now I finally got my shot. And now I've got to be able to walk my talk. And if you can walk your talk, um, then, you know, finding a way to be successful or get on, you know, some some famous show or some famous podcast or, you know, I think those are ways to give people a break. But you better be able to deliver when you get that opportunity. I always tell people, don't look for a break unless you're ready because you, you know, you're going to blow your opportunity. What's the biggest mistake people make in business? 
Oh gosh, what's the, there, there's so many, but I think that um, people go into business without a, I think the number one thing I would say is people go into business without a passion for doing what they want to do, what they want to create. They don't have a purpose for what they want to do. They want to make money. And so they want to make money. They're going to go do this thing that's supposed to make money. They don't have the passion in their heart to really drive and, and succeed in this area. And when the going gets tough, which it absolutely will, uh, they falter. And they're because they're unwilling to to put all the fundamentals and basics in place because they don't realize that that building a successful business is a lot of work. And you know, I remember, you know, you know, when you're speaking on stage, you're never supposed to use the four letter word work. But you know, the reality is, I never that, did. I, I always said, "Oh, that's my style. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy." Like I always used the, the polar yeah. opposite approach, which worked always well for me, but also get hate obviously because it just always frustrating when everybody may look at easy because it's not easy. What about scaling? What about scaling to the 10 million plus, you know what I mean? Which very few businesses ever do. What do you think is that one thing? Well, I think it is the, the, the key to scaling is number one, you have to have your systems in place. And again, that was another boring word I used to talk about. Nobody wanted to do is send it hard. You know, your systems, your KPIs, your, 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 so you can evaluate what you're doing. But you have to understand that you have to reinvent yourself multiple times. And until you get that, you can't scale. I mean, maybe you're some cool internet product that goes online, but the, the general business, you're going to get up to around a million dollars or so, and you can touch and fix everything. Anything that breaks, you can go, you know, you can go handle that. And then you begin bringing the la first layer of management and begin to build your business. You get up to five or 10 million, and now you have to reinvent yourself again, which means you need to replace, begin to replacing yourself as a CEO or as an entrepreneur, but playing that role of CEO. Um, you need to start replacing yourself and building building your team and letting go. And if you can't do that, you're going to stay stuck. And you have to keep reinventing yourself. And each of these reinventions is a big lift. It's a big change. And, and in order to be able to scale, that's from an internal management structure standpoint. If you don't have that in place, unless you're just lucky because your product is just crazy, you know, crazy um, in demand, uh, you're never going to scale or you're going to scale and you're going to plummet because the bigger you get, the harder you fall. It's bottom line. Last question. Full on. I want you to be 100% transparent. We haven't talked in 12 years, although it feels like maybe that's the way guys are, right? Yeah, I haven't seen 12 years. It's like, like we never, we never stop. Um, what did you think of me about 12 years ago? And now that we were done this interview, what do you think of me today? You know, it's fine. So I, I can answer that. So you were, it's interesting because you were, you were younger and you came into the, into the crowd. I think the same crowd as everything where we probably met. And, um, you know, you were, you were aggressive, you're upcoming. I wasn't really sure whether or not you were real or not real. And you talked about who you had interviewed and, and, um, you know, and you're, you're obviously very, uh, you know, you're very, uh, uh, you, know, say it. Yeah, big, Direct. you know, yeah, you piss and vinegar, say it, that was piss and vinegar. Big personality and, and, you know, you were looking to impress and, uh, and, um, you know, as I got to know you and I got to know what you've achieved and then got on your show and saw who else would be on the show, then I'm going, wow, this guy, uh, this guy's really, uh, really walking his talk. And, um, and now to know that I know that the going through the recession in 2008, 2009, 2010, and then a couple other hiccups in the economy were challenging. And to hear when we got on the phone just now, we spent what 20 minutes before this call, you just sharing what you've done, what you've created. And I know what it takes to do that. And, and so, you know, you've been you've been somebody's been able to chart your path, go go for it. And when I say what's next, and you say, you know, I don't know. I'm just here to to I'm here to to 
to take on anything that comes my way and, and um, you know, is, a, is this incredible place to be. So you've grown immensely, you know, quite oh, honestly. Gentlemen, that's Scott Hall.